1: Welcome to the RotoWire Fantasy Football Podcast Wednesday Edition. Joined alongside me, Joe Bartle. You can follow me at JB Fantasy Sports. As always, is my buddy, my pal, my good friend, John McKechnie. You can follow him at Johnny M C. K E C H S. I'm not sure why I spelled that out, but I felt like I needed to. (laughs) Uh, It's all sorts of hype right now for me, and I had no energy coming into this, so I already have to thank the podcast for really, really spurning me along today.
2: Yeah, it feels good, man. This Wednesday has definitely dragged on to this point, so it's uh, good to get in here and get you know get some good football talk going.
1: It sounds like you're dragging already, John. Like we were only two minutes into this thing, you need to be a little more hyped.
2: All right. Well, you know what's going to get me hyped. We're going to talk about Steve Smith passing his physical.
1: I know, I know you want to get hyped about that. I know, as a Ravens fan, you're kind of jacked about that. Mm -hmm. But can we be honest with ourselves? Like that's that's not a big deal.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm not taking him, you know, anywhere until like you know, sort of like my last position player in the draft type of thing. Uh, You know, it's really difficult to bet against Steve Smith, and I feel like everyone that has in the past is. Has uh, been burned by it because he's you know he's so hell bent on on you know getting what's his. But I mean, this is a 37 year old guy coming off of a, a torn Achilles at, at a receiver that or at a position where you need that you know speed and lateral quickness. So I, I just have a hard time believing that we're going to be seeing the Steve Smith of even the first five weeks of last year.
1: He was tearing it up last year. Though. Mm-hmm. Like he was he was on pace to do amazing things for his, as as. As old of a man as he is, he was doing amazing things on the field. So blood and guts, man. I, I not blood and guts, hopefully not. Well, well he said uh, that's what he said right. Okay. No, I got gotcha. you. I understand the reference. I get the Panthers thing. The Panthers suck. We got that. Mm-hmm. Uh no, I'm saying like <laughs> he was doing amazing things last things last year last year in the last year in the football, someone like Steve Smith cuz I think that he's just going to come back fighting harder for this position now that, you know, everything happened last year. He was going to retire. Now he's not going to retire, then he's right. back for the season. So, for me, I think that this it's good news like I as a as a Steve Smith fan as a fantasy football fan as a football fan this is good news I don't think he's any more than the you know number three receiver though. If I'm drafting right now, like I I don't know where I'll be taking him. Maybe like the tenth, eleventh round. I'm not. I have to check the ADPs, but I'm not sure I'll be taking him where he's probably being taken right now.
2: Yeah, I think I think maybe that there will be a bit uh, of an overcorrection to the market where you know now that he's back, maybe some people will just try to uh, sneak him up their board a little bit more. Uh, I'm just not going to do that. I, like I said, he's going to be. If I'm going to take him, he's going to be you know, one of my last two picks before I get my, my kicker and my defense basically is how I'm looking at it.
1: Moving on to another team in the AFC North, the Cincinnati Bengals announced yesterday that Brandon LaFell was dealing with ligament damage in his right hand. To me, when I read that yesterday, I was like, that's not good news. That means he's done for the season. That's going to be like really bad. (laughs) And no, actually that's not what happened. They then since announced that He's not expected to miss any actual time. I mean, he'll miss the preseason, but regular season, they're thinking he's going to be good to go. Come on, now be honest with me, John. Do you really think that's going to be the case with a guy with ligament damage in his right hand?
2: Right. As a as a receiver, it's kind of hard for me to to discount a, a an injury where he, he's got ligament damage in his hand. So I, I think that they're they're being a little bit coy with that, for, from what I can tell. And you know, uh, I think this kind of helps us segue into into your guy. Tyler Boyd I mean is it Tyler Boyd time for real now already
1: we had talked about
2: it a little bit last week
1: and I was saying I really like Tyler Boyd and you were a little on the fence about it or you were just like completely out like away from the fence like you weren't even ready to jump on um I really think Tyler Boyd's the way to go I mean they're they're really happy with what he did in the preseason game Mm -hmm. They, they like what he's doing in training camp right now I only think this is going to help Tyler Boyd's chances. Cincinnati's offense was dynamic last year when Andy, Dalton, when Andy Dalton didn't break his thumb. I mean, when he was playing, they had a really dynamic group of people. And I, I know Sanu is gone, and we have uh, Marvin Jones over at the, the Lions too. But to me, I think that this is going to make a big big difference for Tyler Boyd. I really think that he is a number two, number three range receiver. Now, I'm not talking dynasty keeper. I'm talking regular standard leagues, I would want him around that range. I think he's going to produce those numbers.
2: Yeah, I think you know with with the departures of of Sanu and and Jones, uh, Cincinnati was one of like the best kind of landing spots for a rookie receiver this year. I, and I thought that that was such a shrewd pick of them uh, to go to go that route. Uh, I believe in the third round. I personally would have gone Carew but I, you know, I'm starting to turn, turn around on Boyd. And obviously he had that very impressive 40 yard catch against the Vikings in that first preseason game. And, you know, if LaFell keeps missing time during the preseason, that's going to just mean more reps for Boyd within that first team offense and and really kind of getting comfortable uh, with his role. So I think that, I mean, that's such a huge thing for, for a rookie to be getting these snaps and these reps uh, with the first team. So I mean from that I think he he's LaFell's a guy that you got to start thinking good. about. No, he's not. And like I think we were all kidding ourselves the people that that thought that LaFell would really be able to hold off a, like a promising rookie a, of any of any sort really.
1: Yeah, I am like we watched what LaFell could do in a dynamic offense with the Patriots last year and it was nothing. It right? was not and they were hurting for receiver and he still did nothing. So to me it's like why did we ever expect anything? And I'm saying we being not me because I did not think that LaFell was going to be a guy that would be any sort of help on the Bengals' offense. But why are people expecting that he would be somebody that could help the Bengals' offense?
2: Uh, sometimes people can just talk themselves into into old narratives or like, you know, maybe this is the year that it all clicks or comes together. But LaFell, he is who he is. He is who, uh, who he always has been since he got to the NFL. It's just not all that— ex- not all exciting uh not that much upside so i i don't see why people were so sure of themselves that he was going to be like legitimately the number 2 guy taking pressure off of AJ Green uh when when he signed on there when you know it's pretty obvious that a rookie's going to challenge even when he's healthy a rookie's going to challenge him for targets
1: yeah. I'm, that's probably a good segue into the next uh, person we're going to talk about Matt Forte it was announced that he's going to be participating in team drills Wednesday he took full contact during practice he had been out previously in the preseason I've seen a lot of people think Matt Forte or draft Matt Forte as if he is this uh, the Bears running back still the one that would get you know 80 catches and still rush for a thousand yards mm-hmm. now he's on the Jets now he's got at least 14 other running backs that he's going to be competing with for snaps and touches uh, there's no way in my mind that Forte is this, the same type of player that we have seen in past, and I don't think he's going to be very successful with the Jets, even if he's practicing if he's completely healthy. What do you think?
2: Right, because you know we're looking at, at a crowded backfield situation. I mean, he obviously he does have the the pass catching ability, um, and maybe you know the Jets when they went to go sign him, you know, that was sort of the like the reasoning behind is like maybe we're going to we're going to get the running back uh, more involved in our passing game, uh, you know, kind of up the efficiency, uh, make some easier throws for Ryan Fitzpatrick or, you know, whoever they were considering having as their quarterback at the time until it came to their senses. Um, But at the same time, we got a 30 year old running back here that that's not in quite the same uh, system that he was in Chicago, where he where he was essentially like the number 2 receiver or sometimes like the number 1 in terms right. of of uh catches or targets um so it, that does kind of drive down his value especially in in uh in non PPR formats and then you know they got Bilal Powell and a number of other guys going in that in that uh, backfield as well so uh, forte uh i mean it's good for him. it's good that he's back back in team drills i'm sure they're going to be cautious with him but at the same time uh this this news doesn't particularly uh move the needle for me one way or the other on on my feelings towards forte okay
1: so i'm trying i'm still trying to wrap my head around this a little bit as to maybe why the jets did this in the first place but what is matt forte's best strong suit or in your mind when he's playing when he was playing with the bears
2: it's obviously is pass catching
1: okay great so I think that's one of the things that sets him apart from other running backs. I mean, he's a good down, downhill runner. He is shifty enough to make plays when he's running. But primarily, he was a very good pass catcher and pass blocker, too. I mean, he helped Cutler out plenty of times when mm-hmm. Cutler would hang in the pocket. So why in the world are you bringing in a primarily a better pass-catching running back when you already have that and buy a low pile? Well, I don't understand that at all. <laughs> Because you're you're now you have two assets like if on each in their own like it's a Shane Vereen type of deal like okay you have a really good pass catching running back you can put in him and handle the pass catching situations you have a Legarrette Blunt who can run downhill no one's tackling that three hundred pound running back because he's scary <laughs> right. okay you have the two different things Forte is primarily a pass catching running back at least at this point in his career and pa- Powell has always been a pass catching running back in his career so what is the purpose of having two of those guys? on your roster, because you're most likely not going to be playing them at the same time.
2: Yeah, frankly, uh, the the, the fit always felt weird to me in New York. It still feels weird to me, and I don't know when it's going to stop feeling weird, and it, it might not ever stop feeling weird.
1: I think I'm I'm short sighting Forte a little bit. I know he's a good runner. Like I get that. And he'll he'll be taking the majority of the carries for the Jets. But to me, you're almost submarining the value on Powell too, because you just re-signed him for like a two year, six million dollar contract, or whatever it ended up being during the offseason. So now you have two guys that you're hurting your value for.
2: Mm-hmm. And speaking of uh some value going down, this uh this stings me for, for the old Vegas league here already. Um CJ ProSice of the of the Seahawks. He he's uh, he's back in practice at least a little bit, uh, but he's still probably not playing Thursday. Not a great sign for for a rookie. He's missed a lot of time, and Pete Carroll has been pretty uh open and honest about, you know, the they want ProSize to to you know keep his role, like the plan the plan for him when they drafted him, but he's missed so much time at this point. And now one of my least favorite things that seems to happen every year. The Christine Michael hype train. Choo-choo! Yep, it's coming back. It just, oh my God, it just makes me want to slam my head into a wall. And, you know, it, what what has bothered me about it the most is that, you know, initially it was like the, oh, ha-ha, Christine Michael. And then some, like, legitimate, you know, NFL writers that I respect have been like, yeah, he actually looked really good. He's been looking really good. And it's like, no, stop, stop.
1: You're hurting everyone by doing this. That's just irresponsible. I wish that the audience could see John's face as he's talking about this right now. <laughs> it really looks like he just took a, a bad bite into a burrito, <laughs> and he's just staring like deadpanned with a, like a little squinty face at the screen as he's describing how much he hates Christine Michael. I get it. Like <laughs> we've heard this before. I I've only been working here for you know a year and a half, and I've heard this. It feels like for my whole time that I've been in RotoWire and and past that, mm-hmm. we know that. Michael has tantalizing capabilities. I mean, that's been evident since his rookie year when they drafted him in the second round. But my thing is, we also know the Seahawks don't like him. Like, he was cut by the Seahawks last year. Wound up on the Cowboys. a Really, 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 really good offensive line and could do nothing because he wasn't on the field. He couldn't even beat out the like the walking hospital that is Dare Mcfadden. Right. Was cut by the Cowboys and then winds back up on the Seahawks. To me that does not scream, "Oh yeah, we're going to make him into a starter." That screams, "Oh god, we are stuck in a spot and maybe our rookies aren't as good as we thought they were when we drafted them."
2: Yeah, it seems like that and in the fact that we haven't heard Alex Collins's name since probably draft night. Yeah. Uh I think that that's definitely telling as well. And Collins is a guy that I I liked coming out of college, probably not not nearly as much as a pro size, but um I mean, geez for for him to not for him to be you know taken in the draft and still kind of having no noise around him and kind of letting Christine Michael kind of weasel his way back into like what could be a pretty legitimate role, especially with with the news that the Seahawks are considering giving Michael uh, like a, the majority of the reps in a couple games early in the season who knows if that if that actually works out you know the best laid plans and all but i mean the fact that they're that they're considering that over over trying to to get ProSize back onto the field quicker or trying to you know see what they have in collins uh it's just it's just really disappointing to see the the christine michael hype train uh back chugging along
1: honestly this makes me feel better if i'm on thomas rawls owner and i am in a lot of leagues unfortunately mm-hmm. or fortunately maybe how you look at it if Michael is the backup and if we're touting Michael, I feel pretty good that Rawls is going to end up getting the majority of the carries when he's actually back and fully functioning. Like uh, I just don't find Michael's to be that enamoring anymore. I think the the shine is worn off from right. this new toy a little bit. And uh, I have a feeling he'll end up being the same way with the Seahawks in, in due time. All right. So before we break down any more of the, well, before we break down any of the preseason action, which was, you know, shocker, it's a little bit of a yawn for us. Uh, we <laughs> want to go ahead and, Get a little bit of a word from our sponsors, Maximum Fantasy Football. John, now answer me this. Do you enjoy playing fantasy football for cash, but are tired of the same game offerings or hosting sites, keeping too much of the prize pool? I am. You know what? I am looking
2: for a little something new.
1: Good, because if so, check out MaximumFantasySports.com. They offer a variety of season-long and DFS fantasy football leagues with features no other website has and pays out 90% of the prize pool. Does your state prevent you from playing in a DFS league? and you are not interested in a full-season league? Well, that's not us, but I feel good that we're not us at least. (laughs) Uh, MFS runs monthly fantasy football leagues known as four-week frenzy leagues that are available to you. Forget salary cap leagues and use the online draft for all your – full season and short-term leagues at maximum fantasy sports. If private leagues interest you register your own redraft and keeper leagues using options like in-game player changes, multi-team trades. I really like that one yeah. team quarterbacks bi week rollover and more. You can even run your survivor pools, confidence pools, pick em pools, square pools, regular pools, square pools. Again, I don't know for free at maximum fantasy Join today. All right, well, that was a fun read for me. I enjoyed that one. Uh I'm not gonna enjoy this part, but I feel like we have to a little bit. Uh let's talk about preseason week one. Is there anything that you really liked, uh disliked about week one performance? Uh let's see. Uh I wa the game itself that I watched the most
2: of, which was the biggest affront to my eyes probably of like the whole weekend, uh, was that was that Lions uh Steelers game on Friday night. <laughs> that was just heinous all around at no point was there not just trash football being played so that that really kind of soured me on on watching too much of it the rest of the weekend but I did catch you know a few other notable things I like that Laquan Treadwell uh, caught four out of his five targets you know he was he was Kind of known for for being efficient with his catch rate in college, so it's good to see that carry over. Uh, you know, it was for 41 yards on four catches, so it's kind of what you expect uh, in a, from a Teddy Bridgewater type of uh, performance. And then uh, DeAndre Washington, he's a guy that I've talked about before as a rookie. Uh, that I'm really excited about especially because uh, I don't have a ton of faith in Latavius Murray so for him to go you know averaging over five yards a carry uh, against the Cardinals and then he also caught his only target for 32 yards I thought that was pretty sweet. Uh, Troy Nicholas I thought looked good in, in limited action for the, for the Cardinals that Cardinals tight end situations a little bit open up so maybe he's like someone to you know bookmark for later uh, as it were and then uh, Malcolm Mitchell. He's my guy because he went to Georgia too. Uh, He was looking awesome too uh, until um, he just fell funny on his elbow. And that was the end of that for until September. So hopefully he he makes that full comeback uh, because he was looking about as good as everyone was saying that he was looking uh, thus far in training camp. He was really looking solid in that game until, you know, obviously he got hurt.
1: Two questions then. So uh, as a person that Likes to punish myself quite a bit. Should I watch the Malcolm Mitchell injury video at all? I didn't click on it. I saw the injury. I didn't click on it. Should I? Should I do that?
2: Honestly, I'd I'd I would uh, recommend against it. It's just you see things b- go in a direction that you're not supposed to go in, and uh, it's very cringeworthy. Uh, I feel like you're going to see enough of that during like live regular season games this year. There's no need to subject yourself to that.
1: No, but that's uh, right the thing. Now. I like to do that only because I guess I'm a little sick. I don't know. I, I <laughs> well, really yeah, no well. Other, I know that. Yeah, I have no <laughs> other way of saying it. Like we were talking as we were walking over to uh, one of the restaurants that we were eating last week about the gymnastic guy that just oh, broke man. his leg completely, or the <laughs> the powerlifting guy at the Olympics that just shattered his shoulder. And I showed you that video. So <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I don't mind watching these things. Is it, is it pretty good is it in comparison with those pretty pretty good
2: yeah, if if uh if that is uh the, your metric for good then yeah that's that's a great video okay
1: perfect all <laughs> right we'll move on past that because that's not really fantasy friendly fantasy friendly for the listeners here i was reading that charles johnson actually is slotting up as the number two receiver for, uh, for the vikings with Laqu- laquan trod end up being number three do you feel like that carries through throughout the preseason or is that just kind of uh starting out right now he's a rookie kind of talk
2: uh I I I kind of agree with your second point it's probably more of a rookie talk but Charles Johnson wasn't he a guy that was you know moderately hyped coming into last year a little bit and then was was kind of quiet uh, throughout the season and kind of got overtaken uh by Diggs I guess um I mean th- honestly that's not the most exciting passing offense for for our fantasy purposes uh you know Treadwell's a guy that you'd prefer to have over Charles Johnson probably uh especially in in non non-redraft leagues because you know he he is the rookie he's with the first round upside and all that um so it i do understand maybe laying off of treadwell a bit in in just single season formats if charles johnson really does kind of continue to overtake him but it, i'm not like hugely concerned uh, about Treadwell not being the number one guy right away. That's kind of normal.
1: Well, you're one of the college football experts that we have at RotoWire, so I guess I'm, I'm not going to pretend like I know all that much about Treadwell, but from my understanding, he was by far the number one receiving prospect coming into the draft. Coming, coming into well, the season. Yeah, coming into the season, and then it seemed to develop away from that. What was the reason for that?
2: People got really upset about uh, his lack of explosive speed Um, I think he didn't run the 40 at the combine if I remember correctly I don't think his 40 at his pro day was particularly impressive he just didn't test very well and there's a sector of, of draft twitter that understandably is completely metrics driven and you know like if he doesn't hit this threshold on his 40 yard dash if he doesn't hit this threshold on his market share if he doesn't hit this threshold on his even his broad jump or something he's not gonna be good so people, people, the testing people really hate Treadwell, and, and I, I mean, I get that, but I also have seen him play, the guy can play.
1: The Testing people also really love Darius Hayward Bay, and we know how that went. Like there are so many, re- and I know that I'm not really I'm preaching to the choir right now, but there are so many receivers in the NFL and even in the past that have been successful that didn't put a ridiculous forty times or great you know shuttle cone kind of things. I, right, that, for me, like I think of Anquan Bolden, who's a successful veteran for like ten years, and I don't think he ran a forty that was under four six like right there's there's plenty of receivers that fit that metric in my mind and i don't think treadwell should be bashed if we're going to bash anything up for treadwell at least for fantasy purposes it's that adrian peterson might touch the ball 40 times a game right so there's just gonna i don't think Brad, Bridgewater's bridgewater going to throwing the ball more than 20 times so whether it's charles johnson treadwell or whoever else they have in the roster i don't know if the wide receiver two in the vikings is somebody i really want to rely on for fantasy purposes
2: yep that's the best way of, of going about it Now, uh, before we get into into the meat of the podcast here, got a quick message here um, from from our friends over at Drive Sober. So nobody ever gets in their car thinking, I'm drunk, I'm driving, and I'm going to kill somebody tonight. They might think, I've had a few drinks, but I'm okay to drive. Or, I only live a few minutes from here. Or, I've gotten away with this plenty of times before. And they think that uh, right up until the moment they kill someone. Thinking like that is why each year, on average, more than 10,000 people are killed by drunk drivers. So, if you ever wondered why cops bust drunk drivers, well, there are 10,000 reasons why, and that's why they step up the enforcement during times like holidays uh, when they know people are drinking more. They're trying to save lives, thousands and thousands of lives, and they're doing it all across the country. Believe me, cops are out there cracking down on drunk drivers. And they'll see you before you see them. So drive sober or get pulled over. Especially important to remember that, you know, as we kind of wind down the summer, uh, get into Labor Day weekend. And with tailgates coming up, you know, it's just not worth it, obviously. Uh, So please, I implore you guys, uh, always have a safe ride uh, lined up for you if you need to go somewhere. But now moving on to, like I said, the meat of the podcast. Literally.
1: Literally. Literally, stake league. Let's go, stake league. It's the stake league reactions.
2: It's our first. You and I both are in the stake leagues for the first time, and the way we we kind of split it up this year. It used to be like a 17 team kind of wonky one league thing, but we've got more people now as we've expanded. So we've got two 14 league, 14 team uh, stake league te- uh, leagues, and uh, blah blah blah, and. Uh, you were in the first one. You are in the one with some of the, the big heavy hitters uh, within the company, and I, I was in one that, you know, had some tech people in it and things of that nature, so it was a little bit more... Uh more off the wall and a little bit less traditional. So I'd like to hear your reactions. How did how did uh, you kind of read the room with you know because we recorded the the auction podcast last week. You know, literally an hour before right. we jumped into that. I mean, did you did you stick to your word? Did you kind of go off script? How did it go?
1: well, let's not knock the tech team first off. In your league, there were some wonky things that happened in your stake. We'll break it down. We'll break down what happened in your stake league. But those guys had just as much information as we did uh, in the more expert league, I guess. We're going to have to come up with better names for these. And I'm really, really bad at naming things, as you guys are going to figure out throughout the season as I name our stupid segments we do. (laughs) Um, But I think when I was going into this, we had talked about it last week. And even up before that, I was nervous like i'll yes. be honest, i was completely nervous besides the fact that i could be paying upwards of 200 uh for this stake league if i end up getting out of the place I, we probably should break it down for people first. yeah, go yeah. Ahead. uh so my understanding of the stake league again it's our first time doing it but with the 14 team leagues the top seven people will have their stakes paid for top, by the,
2: top six top six and then bottom six then the middle guys uh
1: for themselves. Okay, all right. So the top 6 people in the steak league or at least that's what it was in the baseball league cuz I, I heard elsewhere it wasn't. But okay. top 6 people get their steaks paid for and the by the bottom 6 people, in the middle two pay for their own steaks. So steak fine, you know, a $30 steak, whatever, really good one. Mm-hmm. But that's not my understanding of what the steak league was or paying for steak. It was the whole entire meal leading up to that. So like the, the drinks the appetizers, the dessert, if you're feeling extra frisky with that. Bottle of wine. The whole thing, somebody's paying for your meal. So for me, I'm like, oh, God, I'm going against the experts that have been in this and doing this for forever, and I might have to drop down $250. Like, that was my, <laughs> my biggest concern heading into this. So my strategy was... Simply to look for the best deals across the board. Like I, I want to find people that first I wouldn't get ridiculed for going way too high over, but also I could build a roster around. So right. I ended up staying out of the action for the most part, which is what we discussed last week, and I felt pretty good about it. So Le'Veon Bell for thirty nine dollars and Eddie Lacy for twenty nine dollars were probably two of my best value grabs. I thought. I think we. I mean, we've discussed Le'Veon endlessly now. I f- I don't feel like I need to go over that more. But Eddie Lacy as a Packer fan, I have to admit that. The weight loss looks to, be, looks to be good. I mean, the first preseason game, he only had like four carries. But right. he had a good amount of yards off of it. And I think that if we get the Eddie Lacy from years before, a $29 value for a clear number one starter is definitely great. Like, I mean, if we're thinking he was the number one running back last year, that would have been you know, 20 know $30 more than I would be paying for. That's true. So in that sense, I think I'm getting a good deal, especially for an RB2. Now, I didn't do a great job of finding a backup for Le'Veon as I didn't really want to pay a lot of money for somebody I knew would only be playing for four starts. So mm-hmm. Danny Woodhead and Tevin Coleman I combined to get for $12, and I thought I'll oh, mix and match nice. with that. That's, that's kind of what I was thinking. But... Because I didn't want to pay up for anybody, it left me out on a lot of uh, the stud receivers. I guess my frugalness really kind of came back to bite me in that sense. I got Kelvin Benjamin, who I'm learning I'm very high on heading into this year. I got him for $23.00. Jarvis Landry for 22 and Kevin White for 19. So that was all middle of the pack price wise. And I felt to get three receivers was a great deal. I wasn't happy with my tight end situation. I really wanted to get Ladarius Green, but I didn't want to go up and pay $11 for him, which is what I would have had to do. So I settled on Jimmy Graham for five. Mm-hmm. And then I, I followed that up with, unfortunately, Jordan Cameron. I think that's a funny story that we can get to a little bit later, but I definitely wanted to get Zach Miller and missed out on him for him. Well, basically I was in the bathroom. That was that was the real <laughs> problem why I missed out on him. But yeah, we can, we can go through that if we have more Time. Um, quarterback wise, I got Philip Rivers for ten and Tony Romer for five. So, it's something that we had talked about in the Vegas stake or the Vegas league, not the stake league, Vegas league, where we had two of these quarterbacks. And I like to mix and match. I think Phillip's going to do good. I think Romo's going to be doing good. So, to get them for fifteen dollars together, I thought it was a really good combo. I was happy with my team. You know, uh, Chris Liss wrote about how he felt like he dominated the league. Of course, he did. Yep. And and honestly, looking at his roster is pretty good. Um, but. Do I feel like my team is top 6, top 7? I think we have a shot. There's going to be a lot of moves I have to make throughout the year, but I'm prepared for it as I don't want to pay a lot of money.
2: Yeah, I mean if when that when that's like the driving factor, like that you'll be definitely paying more attention to this league than than maybe any other league you ever have before and that, I'm kind of in the same boat and I feel a little bit more like I have my work cut out for me in order to even even buy my own stake and like call it the, call it tonight, <laughs> you know. I uh I went real crazy at at first. I just wanted to make some splash moves and uh I mean listen listen here. I got Antonio Brown, most expensive guy in the league. Understand it. I'm fine with it. I think he's the best player, so I don't really care. Fifty nine dollars. So fifty nine out of two hundred. So okay. that's that's a nice little chunk. Uh followed that up, uh went for Des Bryant, forty seven dollars. So I got him actually at the same price as Alan Robinson and Mike Evans. I was shocked and and confused as to how someone paid $47 for Mike Evans, but I guess somebody was desperate for those.
1: Were those right away? I mean, you're dropping over a hundred dollars on your, your initial budget. Like when we start off, this is like the first
2: 15 minutes. I'm, I'm, doing these three. Oh, picks. my God. All
1: right. I would have had a heart attack by that point. I mean, even if I was just watching you do that, I think I've would have been having a heart attack because <laughs> I was seeing people drop that money, but no one really dipped under 100, especially not in the 15 minute mark. Like that was crazy.
2: Yep. Went for that. And then um, my last one, which I, I feel like I got slightly burned by I maybe maybe because I thought I was going to I would get AJ Green for a similar price. Turns out that AJ Green went for like 43. So I wouldn't have been able to pay up for him but uh, I finished out just finish just rounding out my uh three receivers because we start three in this league no flex um I got Alishon for 34 okay so finish that finish that out and then I'm just chilling for about 40 minutes until I think about buying somebody (laughs) else because I mean at that point I'm down to around 80 bucks or, or, uh, 70 something dollars. And, uh, you know, most, most everybody else is, is still paying for these 20, $30 guys. So with that, I was a little bit hamstrung as far as my running back options were concerned. Um, I got, I got kind of, uh, hammered by other people that had more money, uh, as far as what they could bid on their running back situation. Uh, so I went for Gio Bernard at 15, I uh, felt like I paid a little bit more than I would have wanted to with that, but feel okay about it. Um, and then basically, my strategy was to get, uh, get running backs on teams where I didn't feel like I had a ton of faith in who was in front of them. So I, I went with Theo Riddick for th- for just three bucks. I felt all right with that for the price. Uh, Chris Ivory for eight bucks. Uh, I really. Uh, I'm a TJ Yeldon hater so I think Ivory could end up kind of being the goal line guy and maybe just kind of making it work for me as as running back two. Uh and then DeAndre Washington my guy like I've mentioned I got him for a buck later on Uh kind of rounded out my team uh, with, with some nice uh, receiver finds I felt like uh, Bruce Ellington for a dollar at the end uh, Devin Funches for $6. I think he's going to have a good year. Mm-hmm. We can, we can kind of butt heads about where he's going to be versus Kelvin Benjamin. Uh, there, there's a lot of arguments on the internet that I always see between about those two. Cause I mean, those two camps, I feel like are very polarized.
1: Oh God. Okay. Well, I mean, <laughs> well, let's just start there because I feel like I can join, I'm going to make a new camp where I like both Benjamin and Funches. Like I think, I think Benjamin Coming off the ACL injury is being undervalued. Uh, we didn't see any of him last year, so you kind of like, you, you forget, him, forget about him a little bit. I mean, sure. this guy was a terrific first-round pick. He was he joined all those other guys that were, were solid, and I think with Cam Newton maturing, with Cam Newton probably staying in the pocket a little bit more, I mean, they paid so much money for him, it's only natural for them to stop making him do 17 quarterback dives per game. Right. So I think that you're going to find that, Cam Newton developing in the pocket more is only going to be more beneficial for Benjamin. That's also meaning that it's going to be beneficial for Funches and whoever ends up being the number two receiver. So I think six dollars for Funches is terrific, considering he's likely the number two option for the Panthers, and they have no one else there. Don't even talk to me about Ted Ginn Jr. anybody. I won't. I, no, I'm not saying you. I think you're <laughs> smart enough to say that. But nobody else. Talk to me about Ted Ginn because I don't think he's a, a real quality option as number three. So you have Funches and Benjamin, and I think both can be successful. Now, what do you mean by successful? I think. Benjamin's a top 20 receiver uh, at the very least. I think that's, a, that's selling him short. I think he could easily be a top 15, top 10, just if he gets you know more touchdowns throw to him, thrown to him instead of Cam Newton running them in or Jonathan Stewart or Mike Tolbert running them in.
2: Do you feel that um, there's only, because there are so many weapons on that team, including Cam carrying the ball, obviously maybe those carrying numbers are going to go down a little bit, but uh, getting that ball to Stewart, uh, getting the ball, and then you think about it, Greg Olson's there too. And Cam loves Greg Olson. So I feel like it's almost like, uh, that scene in the dark night, uh, where the Joker kind of comes out on the, on the pool table and then his cronies come out and, uh, someone breaks the pool cue and is like, we're having tryouts. And it, you almost feel like it's going to be like the battle between Funches and Benjamin for like that, that top receiver spot, uh, because Olson is is sort of like the primary target in that so offense. So I think there's bit. enough
1: room for three receivers, Olsen, okay. Benjamin, and Funchess. But especially in this league where it's not PPR... I think that the fact that they're probably not going to get as many targets is still okay because I think they're going to get red zone looks. Right. I know the Panthers are going to be playing a harder schedule, so they're not going to go 15 1. Sorry, Panther fans. It's not <laughs> happening. You're probably not even going 12 and 4. But I think what they're going to find is that their most successful option is to have the ball in their best player's hands. So you're going to find it Cam Newton throwing to Greg Olson, throwing to Kelvin Benjamin, throwing to Devin Funches, potentially. Because I, I think Devin is one of the better players in the offense. I think Jonathan Stewart's falling a little bit. So you're going to find that Cam Newton has to find ways to make plays, and I don't think they're going to want to run as much. So I think that you're going to find success in both areas. I'm not worried about having, uh, Benjamin and I wouldn't like, I, I don't like having two receivers on the same team, but if I was crazy enough to do that, I would be fine having Funches and Benjamin. I think that's a good value.
2: Yeah, I think so too. And I, I think that the price, obviously what, when we're talking auctions is always, uh, the, the kind of, uh, bottom line here. So to get Funches. Uh, at a lower price than, than some guys are paying f- uh, for lesser receivers, I think it is really the key there is you know your room for profit uh from from what you're spending on a guy um, now speaking of which did you find that that any that any like certain position in your draft uh kind of had a weird way that, that like the market for it, uh, shaped up because I mean, for us, uh, we had t- tight ends kind of go in a crazy fashion where obviously Gronk got, uh, a huge salary. I think he was at like 43. I can double check that real quick. Uh, yes, he was at 43. Uh, and then Olson and, uh, Jordan Reed and Colby Fleener. Those are the only tight ends that went for more than $10 in our league. And after that, all the tight, I mean, most of the teams in that league are going to be starting tight ends that are less than $8. And there's a handful of us that are going for tight ends that are are less than $5. How did, did you think that the tight ends kind of broke down interestingly in your league?
1: Uh, Well, tight end was relatively, relatively mild. Like I, I think that every, the actions that were taking place for the tight end, the money on the table was, was subject to what, We've seen before. I mean, there is plenty of people that were over ten dollars. We saw the Kelseys and Olsons get fifteen, sixteen. I was surprised that Gronk only went thirty-two dollars. That was a little bit surprising to me. And if I wasn't so frugal in the beginning, he was actually the first player I nominated. I thought he was going to at least go into the forties. He never went there, so I think I would have probably liked to bid him up more, or at least you know try to roster him because so I think thirty-two for Gronk is, is a good deal, yeah, despite definitely this potential bruise or whatever it is that he actually had you know last week. Mm-hmm. For me, the surprise of the draft was the. D value of quarterbacks. I think this is because most of the people have done plenty of auction drafts before and they're, they're more of experts in the league. So you, you see them being a little more, um, well, comfortable with what they're getting at quarterback. So we saw Rodgers and Newton go for $25 and then Russell Wilson for $24. Everything else is a little below that. I know Luck went 23, but like Drew Brees went for 18, Roethlisberger was 15 or 16. I know Tom Brady was right around that range too. I was I was comfortable with that. Um, I was in on most of those quarterbacks. So I like to have a better quarterback to start out, but I never felt like going up higher to push uh, Newton or Rodgers. It really wasn't something I felt comfortable doing. So like I said, getting um, Phillip Rivers and Tony Romo for $15 really felt good to me at the quarterback spot. I know that Jameis Winston went for 11, Carson Palmer, which was, I thought, a steal, of the draft probably was $9. Tyrod Taylor, $4. Matt Ryan, $1. So these are guys that could start in, you know, even 12, 14 team standard leagues without auctions. And you were seeing them go for $1 to $10. And I thought that was a little surprising the D value of quarterbacks.
2: Yeah, that definitely, it definitely kind of broke down that way. And there, for us, there is a wider gap between the the top and, and then the bottom where, you know, we had Rodgers go for 31, Cam go for 35. Luck for 30, Russell Wilson at 28. And then things get a little bit weird. Um, There was one hilarious moment where someone nominated Kirk Cousins and then someone just jumped the bid, like way up. And all (laughs) of a sudden, like here comes Mike G out of the blue, $20 for Kirk Cousins. Room goes silent we're just like, Okay. Like you you go ahead, man. And then then he goes ahead and gets Roethlisberger for fifteen. So maybe he's got a more advanced plan in mind. And so he has
1: thirty five dollars tied up between two QBs?
2: Yes. And they're I mean one of them in twenty dollars of that is Kirk Cousins.
1: And I'm not I just don't like Kirk Cousins. Some people do. Like I mean I our our resident president of FSTA, Peter Shanky, loves Kirk Cousins. We've talked about it many time. I've been in a few drafts where he's taken Kirk Cousins and put in a lot more money or drafted higher than I ever thought he would. Mm-hmm. That being said, I think that twenty dollars would have put him probably at least in the top five, six quarterbacks overall. And I don't think Kirk Cousins manages that this next year.
2: No, no sir. And then you know, especially when you look at Roethlisberger going for fifteen under him, or Breeze going for fifteen. Uh, I got Eli Manning at eight dollars, and then I. I Uh, rounded it out by getting Romo for five bucks. So I put $13 in the quarterback position. I felt pretty good about both of those, especially considering that I had to really go bargain where I could. And, you know, that's, that's where I felt like the value really started to kind of shape up. So the quarter quarterback really worked out nicely. Oh, I thought Andy Dalton for $3 in our uh, auction as well uh, was a very, very nice price because I think Dalton, uh, had he not broken his thumb and Maybe just people's uh, perceptions of him as a playoff quarterback kind of taint how they feel about him as a regular season quarterback. Because regular season wise, he was like you were saying earlier, he was crushing it yeah. last year. He was like he was like on a lot of teams that were in first place in leagues all around several different formats.
1: I agree, and it's it was he was one of those guys, and we'll probably have a segment about that while as the year goes on, where you look at the scoring system, and you're like, oh wow, you're doing that. That's mm-hmm. how many points you have. Like, you, you don't even realize it. Right. And I think a little bit of the hair color, Dalton, I mean, he's kind of <laughs> like a walking meme, if we're being honest. <laughs> yeah. Um, That that plays a part in it, too, where you just kind of undervalue him because he doesn't look like a quarterback. He doesn't look like you're a you know, supermodel kind of guy with dating a supermodel Tom Brady style. I, that's, sure. I think that's why you see it devalued. But $3, certainly considering your team spent over a hundred dollars in receivers um the fact that you get get those combo and you you know you could try out eli or romo mm-hmm. for a whole season depending if they're healthy obviously but as long as they're healthy you feel confident starting each of both of them i think that's a really good value for the quarterback spot
2: yeah i think that you know those are just like a couple of offenses that that you just kind of want to target and especially uh with the with uh, just kind of how they obviously get get priced down i mean the, there is like A mini bidding war towards the end on Romo that, you know, lasted like three seconds and it was, you know, (laughs) fizzled out at five dollars for a guy that could could very well like regain top 10 form as a quarterback this year. So in terms of fantasy uh, perspective,
1: absolutely. As the podcast winds down, I, John, I wanted to break down with the scenario that, that happened at my uh, fantasy draft that took place over this weekend. So yes. I'll just give you a little bit of a leeway into this. It's my dynasty league. I have it with a bunch of friends. We've been doing it since high school. Um, there's two QBs that start for this. You got PPR going on, another flex, get two receivers. Yada. So it's kind of a unique draft. Um, a few rules you can't keep. Uh, more than two people over the age of 30. Um, <laughs> so that kind of hinders if you, get, you have like Peyton Manning and Greg Olson and Vincent Jackson. you got to make some decisions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it puts some people in the pool. And you can also keep one person you pick up off for agency. So like for me, I, could have, I kept David Johnson, who ends up being a great value for me. All I had to do was give up like a third-round pick. Nice. So this is a fun league that I do with my friends. Uh, I've always been in the top, top three or four. We've had pretty good teams. I have a stacked team again this year. So that, that's not really what I talk about. But... Um, at this event, so it was being held at Wisconsin Dells, Great Water Park for any of you that's, not, that's listening that's not in Wisconsin. Uh, definitely worth taking a vacation out here for and hanging out in Ozark for a day. You'll have a blast. Um, that was my little plug. <laughs> We had the draft, and only six people showed up. So that already irritates me, because I was the one who planned this, and I plan it every year. And when people don't show up, that really bothers me. That gets me upset. Now, one of them was a good friend of mine, Will, and and we've talked about him before on different podcasts before, and I know he listens every once in a while. So I'll make sure he listens to this one. Good. Um, Will did not show up to this event, despite the fact that he said two days prior that he was going to come to the draft. He's always a person that's very entertaining. He brings a lot of energy to the draft. So it was important that he came, but instead his friend gave him tickets for a concert that ended up being like four hundred dollars worth and oh, wow. he said no i'm not coming to the draft i get that i understand it that being said you told me you're going to show up and you didn't yep. so as the first round broke down we had ezekiel Elliott like, go number one carson wins two jared goff three and jeremy langford four so three and four actually went to the same person okay. they had acquired multiple picks derrick henry went five laquan Treadwell went six matt jones went seven i'm blanking on whoever went after that i'm sorry i don't have the board my fault fair enough I was able to acquire two first round picks at the back end of the draft. I knew that my friend Will, who had the first pick in the second round, liked Josh Gordon. So, I took Josh Gordon with one of my two first round picks, knowing that that would piss him off and get him very frustrated. Do you feel like that's fair or foul in fantasy football?
2: I think that's totally fair and especially I'm going to say it's especially fair cuz I mean dang, like I remember uh, certain guys in the auction just getting bid you know, way out and guys that like, I think everyone in the office knows it, knows that I was trying to go for like a, like a Tevin Coleman or a Stephon Diggs or something like that. Or, uh, when I didn't bid on Todd Gurley, everyone was like, what are you doing? You know, because (laughs) I'm, I'm a huge Todd guy. Um, so no, it's, it's totally fair. I mean, this is fantasy football. Uh, and I think, you know, it it adds another element when you're doing it with a bunch of your really close friends because those are the guys that you can really kind of rip on and you know make them pissed and you know it's all good still. So like, uh, I think like that sort of shenanigans is like sort of like the lifeblood of fantasy football. And you know that you can, you're gonna give him Josh Gordon, you're just gonna get your, like his team. Uh, for right. him. And it's right. gonna be Absolutely. awesome.
1: Absolutely. Right. That, that was my whole point. I just wanted to get him mad. Like yes. if he would have showed up at the draft, if he would have made it and said, you know what, forget the tickets. I really like this Joe Bartle guy. He does a <laughs> great job planning these drafts. I know he puts a lot of work into it because I do. Right. Um yeah, okay. I might have just let the Josh Gordon thing slide. Or at the very least, I would have been like, Hey, Will, you know, I might end up taking Josh Gordon. So uh to me I didn't feel that bad doing it. I'm glad that, that you're saying it's okay too, because I was like, uh, you know, this could be either way. And I did get a very angry phone call from him after I announced that I had taken Gordon, which I expected, which I enjoyed, which yes. I hope to, you know, kind of irk a little bit more as we do this. So yes, I have a feeling I'll end up trading him Josh Gordon. i have probably be on a bit of a discount too, because I know it was kind of mean, mm-hmm. but I thought it was a little bit funny and that's what I was hoping for.
2: Yep. And I, th- I think that's, uh, that's how it came across. So Excellent. Uh, anything else you want to add from from uh, that draft? Any other crazy stories?
1: Uh, you know, not too many, especially when we only have six people there, but um, it's it's something that we'll probably talk about throughout the year as it goes on because the Dynasty League is a big deal to me. right? Um, and it's fun to talk about the friend stuff and you know see the interactions that take place because that's different than a lot of leagues that we're in now. We have a lot of the co-workers here, colleagues, and I can't can't necessarily make fun of them or say, you know, what the heck were you doing? Right. I can do that with you, I can, I can, but we haven't been in many leagues. So th- this is a different way for us to kind of go through some of the things that happen in a fantasy football year.
2: Absolutely. Well, I would say that, that about wraps her up here for uh, the Wednesday edition of this week's uh, football podcast brought to you by Rotowire. Uh, we'll see you again next week.